It's that special time of year again, folks, between November and December when we get to spend a lot of time with family and loved ones out by campfires in the cold weather, bundling up, and also having as much of that tasty beverage, coffee, that we want. Because it's cold, and it makes us feel good, and it tastes great, and we love having it. Nothing better than a cup of coffee on a nice, crisp, cool morning, right? Well, if you want to support the podcast while having that tasty beverage in the morning or afternoon or evening, whichever you choose... 95adventures.com has you covered. You can go there. You can purchase one of our two blends, Weekend Getaway or Summit View. You can also hit us up on any of our social media accounts, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Send us a message, and we will have that on your front doorstep as soon as possible. And we really appreciate you supporting the podcast and enjoying the tasty beverage and the time and effort that we've put in to picking out our two blends. So thank you very much for anybody who's bought it, anybody who's checking out, and Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. My guest today is young Chris. He is a fascinating, awesome human. If you've ever had a thought in your head about a business that you want to start or a dream to pursue or or whatever it is, if you've got a passion in life, this guy proves that everything is possible. This was an inspiring conversation. I just love it. He's been to 24 countries. He's taught dance in Thailand. He owns his own studio. He travels the world. He just does some amazing stuff, and really, he teaches other people how to do the same thing. He just wants to share all of his knowledge. I love it, and I can't wait to share this conversation with you. So please, enjoy my guest, Young Chris. Thank you, Chris, for being on, man. Hey, man, not a problem, dude, not a problem. Well, do I call you Young Chris, or what do you actually go by? Uh, you can just call me Chris. <laughs> <Now>. <laughs> just Chris. <laughs> yeah. People going by their Instagram handles. Yeah, that's like my stage name. Uh, but I mean, casual conversation, just call me Chris. <laughs> All right, right on, man, right on. Well, I like like I was telling you just a second ago. I read, you know, I read up on your website, like just on your bio a little bit, and you get like a few sentences in, and it says, "Move to Thailand to study dance." And you're like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, man. So. Um, in 2010, um, I moved to Thailand. The reason being is uh, years prior to that, I was traveling a lot with dance and entertainment. And I was going to Southeast Asia a lot and uh, spent a lot of time in the Middle East as well. Um, and just coming back home was like, it wasn't, it wasn't as appealing as being there because I felt more important there because I was getting booked there. Um, I was, I would say, was celebrity level, but it felt really good. I was, I was getting well taken care of while I was on the road. So, man, I woke up one morning, well, I prayed one morning, or one night, because um, I wanted more opportunities overseas and whatever, because I really just hated coming back to Houston. And um, I woke up one morning, and I felt like God told me to go to Thailand. And so instantly, I started looking for tickets. And then a week later, I got booked to go to India for three weeks. So I was like, that's perfect, because instead of getting a returning ticket back to Houston, I will get my returning ticket to Bangkok. So... Spent three weeks in India, and while my friends went back to Houston, they didn't believe I was moving. Um, so when I headed to my gate, of course, my gate was a different gate than theirs. That's when they realized I was serious about moving to Bangkok, and I uh, took the flight to Bangkok. That was matter of fact, that was my, that was my first time there. Didn't know any. I met I met one. I knew one person in Bangkok, one person, and when I got there, he left because he was on the on the road as well. So I literally moved to Bangkok without knowing anybody. Got a place to stay, and I figured it out all on my own. Wow, dude! No, nobody. That's a scare. Like, 
it's one thing to do that in the United States, like, you know, where English is your language and, you know, you can yes. kind of relate at least to the culture and figure things out where you can talk to people. But you're doing this in a totally different country, totally different laws. Like, you just went for it all out. Yeah, man, that's my personality, dude. If I'm committed to something, I'm going to go full out. And it wasn't it wasn't that scary to me because, um, like I said, I traveled a whole lot. I've been to 20, what, 25 different countries. So um, you kind of get a, a, a pattern or an idea of how things work in different places. So um, I just, you know what I'm saying, I just use my patterns and I use the templates that I had traveling. And one person, I met another person through this other person looking for places to stay. I found this place that was kind of close to these places. Use the internet to find dance studios. So uh, no matter where we go as a dancer in a dance community, like in the subculture that we're a part of, like you can always find somewhere, somebody in any place in the world that shares the same interests and then you connect with them and then they become your family. And so all the things that you're looking for and all the things you need access to, you can probably get it through them. Now, did so you, that's how I kind of built. Did you travel these 25 countries just dancing? Yes. Yes. Uh, so the, the, um, the group that I'm, that I'm currently with still, it's called Havoc Coral. Havoc Coral had a uh, contract with the uh, U.S. Embassy. So we, we would fly over through the State Department as cultural diplomats. So, me personally, since I've been a part of the company, uh, I've been, well, a part of the crew, I would call it a crew more so than a company. Um, I've been to 24 different countries, but there's people in our, in our crew that's been to over 50 countries, 100 countries, uh, 120 countries. Um, through um, flying out with the uh, embassy, but also as competitive dancers as well, because we all compete as well. So, between competitive dance... Um, cultural exchange and getting flown out for workshops and teaching contracts, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we've, we've covered the world. Well, how did you get like, how does one get it? Cause I mean, I'm just sitting here picturing as a father myself, if you know, <laughs> one of my kids comes in and goes, I'm going to be a dancer. And you're like, I mean, I support <laughs> you and everything, but I don't, how does that work out as a vocation where you get to do this lifestyle of just dancing all over the world? Like wh- what did you do beforehand? And, and did you always know you wanted to do this? And then how did you get involved in it uh, early on? Yeah. So uh, long story, super short. Um, my mom seen the love of dancing me um, when I was like three years old. Uh, Soul Train. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Soul Train. I know so what it is. I don't know how many other people would know what it is, but I know what it is. <laughs> YouTube Soul Train. So the train would go across the screen while she was watching Soul Train. And she uh, described to me that I would instantly see the train and get excited and start dancing around the living room. So that stuck in my memory for a while. So um, seven years old, she sees a com- she, well, she saw a commercial for a local dance company. It was called the Acres Home Dance Company. And uh, she got the information, and she talked to the director. The director said, sorry, we only accepted kids 10 and, 10 and older. And she was like, well, I guess um, the way she explained it to me, she was like, well, he's, I mean, he's really interested in it. And then the director said, hey, uh, okay, okay, let's try it out. Uh, if he keeps up with the older kids, uh, he can stay. But of course, if he can't, then he has to wait until he's ten. So, um, long story short, again, uh, I became part of the company. So I kept up with everyone. I was the youngest one, but I kept up. Um, I learned so many different styles of dance. So while other kids were outside playing, I was at rehearsal. I was at dance rehearsal two or three times a week. And in the summer, I was there pretty much all day, every day, because we had summer concerts, et cetera, et cetera. Um, kind of grew out of it around middle school because like back then it's not like it is now like dance is like like super pop culture it's everywhere um 
but then dance was not popular. So, well, for guys. So I played sports, which I sucked at. Middle school, went through, <laughs> went through high school, did the same thing, sucked at sports. I was in ROTC and all types of stuff. I, I tried everything. I was just an open kid. Um, but just the natural ability to dance was always with me. I would always dance at parties. I would always dance at like schools and always dance at, at uh, pep rallies and just, just being silly with it, entertaining, not knowing entertainment was like my career or whatever. Uh, but it always got me in trouble in class as well. I mean, I mean, you can only imagine. Um, so graduated from high school, didn't know what I wanted to do. So I kind of just followed my friends and went to college. Two years into college, I was like, wait a minute, this is definitely not what I want to do. Uh, for the rest of my life. So I went back to dance. And if you know anything about dance, like by this time I'm 21, 20, that's that's a super late start because uh, you can go professional, man, at 14, 15, 16 years old. Holy smokes. Um, so so um, super late start for me, but I just worked my butt off. Excuse my French, I just worked my ass off, really. <laughs> uh, so I just really just, I, I started looking for um, anything involved that involved dance in Houston. So I was going to studios taking classes or whatever. Um, any auditions I've seen, I tried to be a part of that. I was a part of the uh, Rockets Lunch Crew. Um, do you remember the Houston Comets? Uh, uh, I know a lot of people don't remember the Houston Comets, uh, but I was a part of their dance team, uh, younger, growing up. Uh, not younger, growing up. This is in my early 20s. Um, then this is when I found my uh, the crew that I'm in now, Havoc Coro. Um, they had an audition for their school show, um, I guess, program that they had running. So, I auditioned for that, made it. So in the midst of me being around them, practicing with them, studying with them, um, the opportunity popped up for me to start traveling with them. And once that door opened, man, I ran through it. Um, I moved to New York for a month because I wanted so much more information than I was getting in Houston when it came to like street dance, hip hop culture, et cetera, et cetera. So I trained for, uh, um, I trained for a month in New York. I went to class. I went to the practice session and I went to the club with these dancers. So I got the full culture. Uh, came back to Houston and I had my first tour overseas, my very first tour uh, through dance. I've been overseas prior, but through dance was to Beirut, Lebanon. Went to Beirut, Lebanon. I was teaching eight hours a day for two weeks. The last concert, I literally cried. I was like, this is what I want to do for, my, for the rest of my life. This is what I want to do in my life. Came back home and instantly started finding opportunities and different things like that. This is way before I moved to Bangkok. Um, so I ended up going back to Lebanon. Um, one of my students' moms had a dance studio, so I started teaching there. And then from there, I went. To, uh, I just started traveling all over the Middle East and and through Southeast Asia. And um, that's when I came home. I was like, wait a minute. Like, this is what I want. I want more of this. I want more travel. Um, where do I go next, God? Like, just give me a give me, give me something. And then that's when I heard the words, let's go to Bangkok. And that's when I moved. So I kind of gave you, like, a whole, like, general <laughs> synopsis of Chris and dance but yeah the first thing to tell your kids if if they're interested in dance want to start dancing that's what any industry anything chase like chase the information and get good before you started thinking about like what you want to do with that it's like telling the kids like I'm telling like I'm telling my parents like hey I want to go to the NBA it's like whoa okay let's get good at basketball first (laughs) so it's it's levels to it so you got to focus on like certain small small goals because my focus wasn't even on 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 traveling. Because I know anything about traveling. I didn't know I wanted to do that. My focus on I just want to be good. I just want to be good. I want to be better than that person. I want to be at that person's level. I just wanted to be good. And then everything else kind of just fell along the path because I was so focused on getting information and training versus focus on 
traveling and being on these stages and dancing with this artist. That makes any sense. No, that's a, that's a wild, I mean, that lesson right there, I think it's super important for people to listen and understand because like in anything that you're doing, and I'm going to relate this to like anything. So if you're playing, whatever it is, football, basketball, whatever, what you just said applies is like you, you train and you studied and you learned like the proper way to dance. Like you learned from all these people, your head was down. You weren't like, Hey, I'm good. Give me a, like, I'm just going to go for this and I'm doing it for, you know, fame or money or whatever. You studied and learned your craft first and then everything fell into place. Like that's the proper way to do just anybody you talk to that's successful, like whatever it is, whatever athlete, they just, you know, whether it be an action sports guy or professional or even in the business world, like, Whenever they like go after something, they usually learn everything there is to know about this or as much as they can. And they're they're yeah. a student of the craft, not like of the paycheck or so on and so forth. Exactly. Because once those once the things that you get well, once the things that you want start to come, um, the way you got there is what really keeps you grounded. It's the ones that lose focus of how they got there and they start focusing on where they're at that's when they start losing the things that you have that makes any sense because they lost focus. It keeps you humble. You got to fall in love with the, like you got to fall in love with the culture of whatever it is before you get like the perks of the culture. Yeah. Yeah. Now when you, so you moved to Bangkok, did you have to leave the organization you were with when you moved there or is it something where you could fly and, and just come back to there? Uh, so, um, to be honest with you, it was actually easier and cheaper for the State Department to fly me from Bangkok to all the other places around Southeast Asia and the Middle East uh, versus flying me from the States. So not knowing, that actually helped out budget costs, if that makes any sense, uh, me moving to Bangkok. But everything that I was a part of in, in, uh, in Houston, uh, I mean, I kept the relationships with everything. I kept in contact with my crewmates and everything. Uh, but of course, like, all the things I was doing in Houston, I, I, I no longer didn't do anymore. And other people like filled those positions. So it was like, I guess me moving on made room for, um, for, for younger dancers to, to, to be in my position. If that makes any sense. Um, but yeah, I just literally, um, I dropped everything here and I, I, I was so open and, and eager to everything that that side of the world had to offer. So what um, what exactly did you go to study? Like, is it a specific style of dance? I you're talking to a yeah. dude that couldn't be more polar opposite than you right now because I cannot yeah. dance. Like, well, when I say cannot, I don't yeah. dance, so therefore I cannot dance. But I have like sports. A lot of them come natural to me. I'm not saying that I'm great, but I things come natural to me. A lot a lot of those things and those movements and body awareness and all that stuff. But yeah dancing does not with me it is so hard for me to grasp like the concept of any sort of dancing so i i was just curious what kind of dance you went to study over there like what you learned different so i didn't go there to study i went there to teach oh um, okay so yeah because their, their their traditional dance is is yeah it's, it's next level uh so i went there to teach because um street dance is is pop culture hip-hop right now is pop culture like, this is the most popular thing in the world. The dance, rap music is like the number one selling music in the world. Um, you can't go anywhere in the world, literally, without seeing some type of example of hip-hop culture, uh, which is a subculture of American culture. Um, so to put it in perspective, I spent some time in Nepal, and there are B-boys in Nepal. There are, <laughs> uh, there are, 
there are break dancers in Nepal. I spent time in in Tajikistan, um, Kazakhstan, and and those there are b boys and there are graffiti writers and there were rappers mm-hmm. in those places. There, like the quality is not as high, but that also changes because now we have they have full access to us via internet. So now everyone's on. Everyone is on the same level worldwide now. When the internet opened, when the internet became worldwide, that's when everyone got all the information and leveled up. So um, when I was in Bangkok, I went there to teach. So like my my classes um, were packed. Uh, I literally made a, a living off of teaching dance in Bangkok independently. Uh, I would teach at at um, I was I would rent out studios versus having the studio uh, pay me to teach. I would rent the studio. And then have people pay me, so I've got I got what quadruple the amount uh, versus just saying, "Hey, book me." Like I became more of an entrepreneur at that moment um, versus just becoming like I guess a contracted employee. So with me teaching um, hip hop and also me teaching my classes in English, um, my classes were valued a little bit more. And I didn't find that out until I started working at this entertainment academy. While I was teaching at the entertainment academy, it was like. Um, it's called Superstar Academy. I'm not even know. I don't know. I'm not sure if they're still open or not. But it was Superstar Academy. That's where like all like the Thai pop stars will go through Superstar Academy for training before they hit like the K-pop market. Um, and I was a teacher there, and my classes there were more expensive because my class was in English. So, and true story. Uh, but I was also able. I spent so much time teaching, and of course, like I was submerged in the culture. Uh, I had to learn a little bit of the language. So. I was able to teach a full dance class in Thai. I mean, not having conversations, but um, I can I can count to ten in Thai. I can have like I had like a few commands that I knew: slow down, speed up, uh, different things like that in Thai. Um, so I was able to connect some type of way. That's while I was teaching. That's cri- That's so cool. Like, did you did you? pick it up while you were doing it, like the language, or did you like study it to learn it so you could teach, like talk to them a little bit? I picked it up while I was teaching. And of course, like hanging out with some of my, my friends, I have Thai friends, of, of course. So hanging out with them all day, going out, practicing, making jokes and different things like that. Um, I, and I also kind of wanted to like least count in Thai, at least because dance is broken up into counts. Everything's broken up into eight counts. So I at least wanted to give them like their, 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 their accounts in Thai. I can count to, to 10 right now. I think I still have it. So, Nung, Sang, Sam, Sing, Ha, Ho, Jet, Bat, Kao, Sip. That's one through 10 in Thai. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome, man. Well, I mean, that's kind of, that's actually kind of cool being in Houston because that's such a di- diverse area. Like, there's so many yeah. different little parts of, of Houston where you could actually even use that there a little bit, I imagine. Yes, yes. Um, I don't usually like. I, I will go. I when I first moved back, I would go to Thai restaurants and like I would come in and say "Swati Kap," which means like "Hello, how are you?" And sometimes they kind of look at me weird. For one, um, either they look at me. I mean, I'm a black, black young black dude speaking Thai. Like, what, what the hell? Like, it's like a unicorn. That's Pegasus flying through. The Pegasus. They were looking at me super. Either, either they look at me super weird because like they they didn't expect that. Or they didn't know Thai, and and I'm just like I'm just kind of just saying like these things, these words, and they wasn't understanding. So I was like, never mind. And also like I, I 
I was also trying to compare like the food here to like the like the actual authentic Thai food in Thailand, and it wasn't the same. So I kind of just pushed away from it because I love Thai food so much. So I was like, if I can't get it like that authentic the way I had it for the past year, I don't want it at all. That's exact. Okay, that I say that about everywhere we go. Like all we travel, yeah. at least inside the United States, we travel a lot. Like we try, yeah. we cover all over the place, and then sure. if you want to call Hawaii inside the United States, it's really not, but it is. Yeah. It's the United States. Yeah. So, like, we had poke here. Even something as simple as poke, you think it's easy, yeah. right? You go over yeah. to Hawaii, you have poke there. I come back, I don't want to have it because yeah. it exactly. is not, not the same. same. It's not the same. <laughs> not the same. No, because yeah. you have to, you have to, you have to, the real stuff first. Yes. It's yeah, just, and then the real- I. Authentic first. I, I grew up right on the border of Mexico, down in the Rio Grande Valley. And okay. so we went over to Mexico all the time, and we went down into Mexico like on, on several trips because we knew some people down there in the mountains and stuff. And, yeah. And so uh, like I ate what like people in the little villages ate, and I, I ate real like – you know the tamales that they cook and the banana leaves underneath the ground, and they you know they yeah. killed their own animals. The whole shebang. Like I ate the way yeah. they ate, right? Yeah. And so then you eat Mexican food, like any sort of restaurant. Whenever you travel, they're like, "Oh, you want to go to Mexican food?" It's like, just because I'm yeah. no, not really. I want to eat what your local <laughs> cuisine is, man, because yeah. your Mexican food is not that great. It's not the worst in the world, but it's really not the same thing once you grow up and you eat that all the time. Yeah, like I just had better. <laughs> so yeah, I'm like that. Yes, for sure. I'm I'm 100 like that, dude. I love the authentic. Even when I travel, even it's like traveling the states or whatever, uh, or even going overseas or whatever. Like I'm the one that hate. I hate going to tourist uh, places. I hate it. I don't want to be there because, like, if I want to be in America, damn it, I would have stayed at home. Because <laughs> usually in those areas, it's all American companies. Like you say, have the same American restaurants, the same American hotels. Like you don't get a cultural experience. Like I'm going. I'm, I'm going to Singapore because I want to experience Singapore. I don't want to go to Singapore and experience Pizza Hut. Like, I don't want to go, I don't want to travel halfway across the world to be back at home and say I've been there and post a bunch of pictures and make myself look culture. Hell no. I want to get deep down in there. I want to eat some weird shit. I want to throw up. I want to have a headache the next morning. I want to hang out with you all. I want to go listen to your, I want to, I want to party with your music. I want to go to your private beaches. Like, I want to go, I want to do local stuff. I want to shop locally like oh like that's the type of person that i am it sounds like you're like that too oh yeah we're we're definitely like that and i don't i used to like hate on like the the whole the whole touristy style but that brings money to the area and i understand that yeah i had to understand that not everybody's like like we are like me and my family we you know i grew up when i I grew up south padre islands right there and so i grew up There's a touristy part of the beach, and I could not stand. It. I told myself, I'm a, I don't ever want to go to another t-shirt shop ever again in my life, like ever, ever again. And so locals would all go. They would like open these spots, and they would be almost secret where they wouldn't advertise because yeah. locals go to those places to to just go to the regular beach. They they eat at their place with all the locals, and there's less yeah. tourists. So I was used to. I liked that lifestyle. I was just drawn to that area and that's the way i am when we travel and all of it like we, we like to go experience the actual culture which i understand a lot of people don't you know don't like to do and i i had to i finally got that later on like a knucklehead like why doesn't everybody like what i like well that's because they're different than you so okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i i mean we totally we like that's the first thing we try to do when we go to places is we try to hit 
the really good local spots and the local areas, and we actually avoid all of the touristy spots for the most part. Yeah. So let's let's like take me through Bangkok, and then what did you do after that? Like, what were you traveling around still dancing? I know in your bio it said that you danced for all these musicians and artists and stuff. Was that while you know before Bangkok, after Bangkok? This is after Bangkok. So after Bangkok. Um, I moved back to the States, moved back to the States and, um, moved back to the States, got married and started my dance theater company. So I started a dance theater company here in Houston, uh, called some kids dance theater. And it was with me and two other guys, two of my friends. Um, and the way that company started is off of one performance. And we decided to do a piece called The Sound of Silence. So it was like a five-minute piece with no music. And we performed that piece. It was our first time performing something like that. First time performing at this showcase that we did. It was at, uh, it was at the Wortham Theater. It was called, the event was called Dance Houston. Um, and it was like all these prestigious dance teams in Houston, all these like well-known and established teams and, and us rookies. So <laughs> uh, we didn't know how they were going to receive this performance because one, it was different. There was no music. Uh, so we performed, crowd, it was, I mean, crowd went, I'm going to say it went crazy, but it was, we got the, we got the standard applause and, and, and yay and cheers and all that. After the show, uh, we got approached so many times about like being in other people's concerts and getting booked off of this. We were like, wait a minute, we should just make this something. So we ended up doing that and then uh, ran the company for seven years. Um, so while I was doing that, I got connected with a company here that was also doing corporate entertainment. Um so I, I got hired as a dancer to do corporate entertainment. So we were, we would do these bar mitzvahs, bar mitzvahs, weddings, uh, company holiday parties. We do all these things throughout the year uh, with two dancers and a DJ. It's almost like party starting. Like they'll bring us in to make sure everyone has a good time uh, while entertaining, but not too like showboaty type situations. Show out when you need to, but not like it's not a show. It wasn't a show. So became really good at that. Um, so the company started getting booked outside of the state and started hitting like bigger companies like Remax, uh, like big pharmaceutical companies. Um, um, a lot of, um, tech companies in, um, in Silicon Valley in California, different places like that. So when they, when these companies started having their, uh, annual events or annual employee appreciation, whatever, they started flying us out and, when we got flown out to these bigger companies, the budgets got bigger. So they were able to bring in um, either a celebrity or singer or whatever. So we will open up for them. So in the midst of doing corporate entertainment, like I've opened up for all these people, Stevie Nicks, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Tyler, what's his name? Tyler, Tyler, Tyler. Uh, oh, Steven Tyler. Steven Tyler, uh, Pitbull. Um, what's his name? Flo Rider, uh, Natasha Bedingfield, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so like this became like a normal thing for us. So now we're getting flown over, flown across the, the nation, really. It had to be in the States, flown across the nation, doing these things, opening up for these people. Um, been to Hawaii for, I've been to Hawaii four times off of corporate entertainment. Um, so that's all that portion of it. So also in the midst of that, Further on, um, like I said, my crew, we were um, we traveled with the State Department and were competitive dancers um, to where like we traveled through 
competitions as well. So me still being active on that side and uh, active in the dance community, even though I had like this professional career, I never looked down or I never turned my back um, to the dance community that I was part of because that's what kept me sharp. That's what kept me um, on my toes and kept me on point. Um, so through them, through well, through that, still being active in that, I built a relationship with Red Bull because Red Bull also um, hosts and, and throw dance events. So in the midst of doing things with Red Bull, um, just like this year, matter of fact, beginning of 2020, mm-hmm. um, Erica Badu's camp reached out to Red Bull looking for dancers, and they reached out to me, and I got hired to actually perform with Erica Badu uh, for a concert that she actually produced and choreographed and, put to, and directed for her birthday that she does every year in Dallas. So, like, I actually got to hang out for Eric, with Erica Badu for three days in her creative, um, like, in her creative space in her studio, like, designing a show. That's pretty and wild, man. That's pretty cool. It's amazing. There's a, there's a video on my page with me, her, me and her, uh, I'm in the studio, we're practicing, and she's pretty much, like, setting all the cues right before I start dancing. So, through corporate entertainment, through the Red Bull, through, um, through the competitive side, through the State Department... Um, all those different things, I was able to get like the traveling. I was able to perform with um, with, with artists, these 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 worldwide, these world, these national. I mean, well, what's the word I'm looking for? These these worldwide artists, for the most part, um, working side by side with Erica Badu, different things like that. So that's how um, all of that happened after I moved back from Bangkok. And in the midst of that, still like running my dance theater company. So, well, I don't run the company anymore because I started focusing on like more so like my individual and personal projects. Yeah, so, yeah, kind of. I kind of saw that. I was actually wondering if you're still running that business because so far you're you're doing a lot, man. Like you're running a dance studio while you're traveling and doing this. And I I was thinking while you were saying, did it make it easy for you to like? Did it make it easy for you to go into that company where you were like that party starter where it's two dancers in them because you did so much teaching and especially the wide variety of people that you taught. So like teaching over in, in Bangkok and teaching like all the different wide variety of cultures. Did that help you out in that? So you, you can understand like how you need to dance and how you need to perform to get people comfortable to get out on the dance floor and start having a good time and all that good stuff. Yeah. No, sir. It did not help me at all. Not at all. Not one bit. Nothing, <laughs> nothing about anything that I did prior to doing corporate entertainment helped me. Uh, besides, only 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 thing it helped me with, uh, only thing that in my in, in my past before then uh, that was beneficial was the talent. That was it. Okay, so let me break down corporate entertainment. Corporate entertainment, uh, 99.9% um, 50-year-old white men. <laughs> me. <laughs> And then, and, and, I mean, I mean, thousands of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then I come in. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, young black guy with dreadlocks. I am not like. I'm, of course, we, we everything that we did, we, we dance in suits. Everything, um, and we're not like we're not the one. We're not the type of guys that walk in with like, these these two big ass suits or like they don't know how to wear a suit. Like we, our suits are like we're sometimes better dressed than, than the guests. You're tailored. Like, we're, we're tailored, exactly. That's a great word. We're tailored. We're not dancing in tennis shoes either. We're dancing in dress shoes. Like the same way we walk in is the same way we walk out. So, um, but just the the social climate 
of of corporate entertainment is tough. It's real tough because there's a huge barrier to break. Yes. Huge. Yeah. Huge barrier to break. So if you don't have the confidence, if if you're worried about public opinion, um, and if you can't just like ignore, I guess ignore what's what's not what's not beneficial to you in the moment. If you can't do those things, then it's it's, it's impossible. The, um, so the awkwardness. I, would, I, I mean, I've worked in a corporate corporate atmosphere before, and I mean, I had to get out, but I can like. I can imagine I'm listening to you tell that story and that's why it piqued my interest so much is because it is such a tough, it's a tough atmosphere because those people are constantly being watched. Like if you do something embarrassing or if you do, you know, if you make the wrong step or say the wrong, and then they provide a bunch of alcohol at these parties. So it's like a, it's like this trap that they're caught in where dude, if you do something stupid, you could get fired. So they're constantly in that mode. Like they're constantly exactly. in somebody's exactly. watching me mode and they're stiff. Exactly. They're stiff. Like you said, old 50 year old white guys, but like that statement right there describes a dude that has no rhythm, can't dance. He's not athletic. He just like has a suit and tie and he's good with it. You know, he's good at what he does, but then he's constantly watched. And so he's nervous all the time. Exactly. But so we, we, we started figuring out the template. It's like when the parties had an open bar, those are the parties that we like. We can, we everyone can let loose, um, just because that's when everyone starts dancing. Because at that moment, usually at these parties, the bosses or the CEOs or whoever, they would only stay for the formal part of it, like the award ceremony, this and this and this and that, and then they would leave. And it's an open bar, so it takes them about two two hours to get loose. <laughs> but, but once they fucking get loose. <laughs> I mean, I got stories, dude. It's like, it's <laughs> like, but, but the the the, the, the hard the, the, this this the, the bridge is the hardest part. It's the transition from walking in into that part that you have to deal with. Well, you got two hours. What do you, what do you do for two, two hours? Two hours when it's just you by yourself is a long time. Yes. Yeah, so so pretty much we kind of. I mean, we, all we do is really kind of we just try to warm up the room because, like I said, with the DJ and his two dancers, and the DJ is usually on the microphone. He's the MC. So we're just warming up the room. We're being like, we just, I mean, we're on a dance floor. We're just smiling. We're kind of just like, we're just moving around or whatever. Uh, letting them know like there is an energy that, that that's expected of you once it's time. Um, so, I mean, we just, we just rock it out. Cause these events are usually four hours. So the first two hours are usually like uh, pulling teeth, but the last two hours can be amazing. Um, but it's crazy because like, the, of course the, the guys don't want to dance. The wives want to dance. The wives will like, they'll, they would dance with us before they danced with their husbands a lot of times. I've had crazy shit. I've had, <laughs> I've had husbands bring their wives to me and tell me, and I quote, make sure she has a good time tonight. And they walk <laughs> off. Because <laughs> they want to hang out with their homies. <laughs> how, 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 how awkward is to, that, though? <laughs> I love it. It's great. <laughs> oh, that's it's great. I love it. That's like hilarious. A lot of guys, they, they don't want to date. They're not social. They want to go have a whiskey or a cigar with their homies and talk about whatever. And their wives are there. Their wives, of course, want to dance and have a good time and all of that stuff. So I was like, okay, cool. I clock in. But I'm not like a, a gigolo or nothing like that. It's, it's just literally, it stops. Like, the party's over at 11. I go home at 11. They go home with their wives or whatever. So 
we almost like we have like an inside joke. It's like, yo, we warm them up for the husbands to have a good time later. <laughs> you're, like the, you're, <laughs> you're like the fluffer. You got exactly, exactly, <laughs> oh, dude. I can only imagine the things because just being to some of those parties myself, dude. Um, I, I have I, stories, I, bro. I, I got so many stories. I <laughs> I can only imagine, man. Like it's. It, it's like they're catching up on all the wild things. It's like that kid, you know, that's like nerdy, that yes. studies all the yes. time and never partied, yes. gets a big job and lots of money. And now he's like, dude, I'm partying. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, exactly, man. I, I mean, like we we've had we've had events in, in in Hawaii, matter of fact, on a resort, and they were throwing like like I don't I forgot the theme of the party was whatever, but they had like rubber duckies in a fountain, nice hotel, nice, beautiful. They got so drunk, they were having like a rubber ducky fight. They, they were just throwing, throwing <laughs> like, like these are these are not not grown men, grown ass men. <laughs> like they probably ha- they probably have twenty year olds. Like, I mean, they just throwing stuff back and forth. I'm like, bro, like we're in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, you're in Hawaii, dude. Why are we fighting, <laughs> dude? That's. I mean that's it's amazing that you could transition into doing something like that with your dance and it's I yes. mean I think the idea of that thing what you did you like people. Yeah, man, I think that's a great people. yeah it's a great idea it's a great program like it's kind of cool you got hooked into that and that you learned that man learning that skill like what you did there probably helped you out further on in life yes it did dude I can walk in any room like I'm like you can't like I have this slogan like never let them see you sweat I got that really like in, in some turf and tough environments that I've been in. Um, but yeah, man, I can walk in any room and be comfortable. Like I walk in, like, I don't, I don't care where I'm at. Like I'm, you're you, I'm me. I can have a conversation with anyone. I literally had conversations with CEOs of companies. Like I just, I just figure out a way to get in the conversation. And like, I mean, I just ride the wave off of that. Um, but like, yeah, nothing, nothing really, um, um, I guess scares. Me. I want to say, I want to say scares me, but yeah, intimidates me. Like, you you know that you can make it like it's it's that thing once you I get can enough out of way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're confident because you've been put in situations where you would think there's no way out. I mean, yeah. I think exposing yourself to anything, competition or just exposing yourself to things that are are scary to you, that's what they do. They break that barrier down of your in your mind. Yeah. You're like, "Oh, I've done this before. I know I know as uncomfortable as this, as it can get that I can get past it like i'll figure out a way and if it goes yeah. bad well i'll figure out a way to make it not as bad as it could have been yeah i performed in front of kids really. that's the most honest if you can get kids to clap for you uh you're, you're on your way <laughs> <laughs> you can get them interested and locked in on your dancing exactly you're on your way but yeah like i've been in like all these tough i went yeah i've been in all these tests like i'm constantly testing i test myself um, my industry tests me. I feel like life tests me. God tests me, um, and I, I do what I, I I do my best to, to, to pass. And if I fail, like I, I learn, I pick myself up and I try it again. Um, but yeah, like pretty much my life has um, has taught me how to maneuver and operate in certain situations. Um, I'm just confident in myself. I'm confident in my abilities. Uh, I know where I stand. I know what I can and can't do. And I and I stand tall on the things that I can do. Um, and I just, and I pretty much turned down or I know how to navigate the things that I can't do without feeling bad about it. Yeah. So did all this stuff, like all these things lead you into this business thing that you have going on? I, I forgot what it's called now. Um, uh, the what's next? Yes. Uh, what's the next? what's next. Yes. Yeah. 
so yes, uh, pretty much all, like all this experience um, I have accumulated over the years, knowledge and wisdom, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera relationships um, I've accumulated over the years. Um, it's valuable and, and it's rare because I live in Houston, Texas, and I only left Houston for one year and one month. Uh, that one month was New York, that story I told you about earlier, and that one year me moving to Bangkok. But everything else, I lived in Houston, Texas. I got flown out. I, I was able to maneuver around the entertainment industry, but operate here in Houston. And that's super rare because usually to get opportunities, like to get a resume like mine, you have to live in New York, LA, London, um, Japan, uh, like big metropolitan cities with a, with, a, with a huge entertainment industry or a market, Atlanta. Um, so, but there's ways to do it. And if I can do it, Anyone can do it. It might not look the same, but you can still um, you can still grow and you can still reach. I feel like your maximum potential without leaving if that's not what you want to do. But if you do want to leave, of course, by all means. But so I want to share that information um, to like the young entertainer, to the young entrepreneur, or the just the the young artist who's saying, "Yes, I'm cool. I'm good at what I do. Um, but how do I do this? How do I do that? How do I get booked? How?" Like what? Like, like what is my value? What through art? Uh, what is my value through just me having the information to um, to make it a lifestyle? Different things like that. Because I'm a full time artist. This is what I do full time, full time. And uh, I, I I learned that at a young age because every job I had earlier in my twenties, I got fired from, and I didn't care. <laughs> Either I got fired or I quit because I just didn't care, and I always. Full circle, wrap my, uh, find my way back to dance and entertainment. Entertainment is just something I do naturally. When we go out, I feel like the club has a better time because we're there. <laughs> because, like, we're actually going hard. We're having a good time. Us having a good time uh, forces other people around us to have a good time. And we're good at it. And we're professional dancers. And the club is pretty much has got a free show. <laughs> so you guys so do you guys travel i mean not to get off the topic because your, your program well let's just stay on that because i'm interested in yeah. your program but um it, like the things you share is important for people like it, it really isn't it it's a leg up it's giving it, it's giving them a shorter cut than what you had it's giving them your knowledge and your experience from what yeah. I read, from what you're doing, it makes a lot of sense. And you are good at marketing yourself. Like if you go to your Instagram page and your, your website, I mean, you're great at marketing yourself um, and your stuff all looks appealing. And then I, I see on there you do like you're doing public speaking and you've got all these things. So you're this businessman that's got the, all these things lined up and it's all because of a little thing like dancing, like you wouldn't associate somebody exactly. who you wouldn't associate like a Gary V learned his stuff yeah. from dancing. Yeah, exactly. Well, I've never heard it put that way. Thank you. <laughs> like, yeah, the perspective. Yeah, it's like it all started off with me stopping, well, me dropping out of college and saying, "Hey, this is not what I want to do. Let me go find a dance class." And then twenty years later, is that twenty years? No, not twenty years. I'm not that old. 16 yeah 16 years later i'm 36 16 years later i'm like i've accumulated all of this like i've, I've done all of this in 16 years by just saying i'm gonna go to a dance class and like being honest with myself and trying to figure it out and of course like it's, it's been way, way more failures than successes 
Um, and that's where the lessons came from. That's where uh, I learned, man. I, I literally, one of my dance teachers, dude, like <laughs> at a practice one time in front of everybody, told me straight up. He was like, it was just a big competition coming up. He was like, to be honest with you, I wouldn't compete against you. I mean, I, I wouldn't compete with you because you can't dance on the floor. Like, you don't have to, you don't have any groundwork or whatever. Bro, I was so embarrassed at that moment because everyone's around. And at that moment, I could have quit. I could have been like, man, fuck you and blah, blah, blah. You suck too. And and left. And where that was going to get me? Nowhere. But at that moment, I was like, okay, I got one thing to do is get better. That's the only answer to what, what just happened. Yes. And I think I kind of, I maneuver off that, that, that I guess, that, that idea. So. Well, that's the ticket. I mean, that that is also in whatever you do. Is like just because you get made fun of or you suck at something for a second. I mean, you yeah. have a choice. You can either not do it or you can get better. Like that, yeah. or you can go back to hanging around the people who you're just as good as and just stay at that level. You know what I mean? Like you have, yeah. you have these choices and these paths and and your mindset. The way it works is like you were so. I love talking to people and hearing people that are so dedicated to a craft. Like that. That's like that's their life. Like you said, you didn't even care if you got if. You got fired, quit from jobs, like whatever. You wanted, like you knew you wanted to dance. Like I just want to dance. That's yeah. what I want to do. And it's turned into a career because you gave it 100% of you. Like you stayed yeah. true to who you were. Yes, sir. And that's, that's pretty, like that's, I think that's the most wild thing to hear, like to hear people do. I mean, it is crazy that, that this program does, you know, is built off that, but I'm assuming what you're speaking to people like business people. Uh, is it a seminar? Is it what? What is it exactly that you're that you're doing? So I did it. Uh, I did it already. It was Sunday. Oh, and I okay. Had a few people, yeah, a few people showed up. It was great. Um, so pretty much what it was, it was a two hour and thirty minute uh, Zoom, pretty much call or, or workshop or whatever via Zoom. And I went through all the um, all the how to that's on the flyer. I went through all the how-tos and I broke it down uh, as far as like, uh, for starters, as an as a, as an artist, like how to make a resume, uh, how to create an artist statement. What is an artist statement? What is your bio? Like all those things, the difference between all of those things. Um, all like pretty much that and then like how to market yourself, how to brand yourself, how to build uh, meaningful relationships, uh, how to build like business relationships. Uh, all those things, pretty much everything that you you kind of need as an as an artist that's already good at what you're doing. So this is this wouldn't be for like the person that's still trying to like that's still going through the trials and tribulations of getting good. And like this is a person that's like, okay, I'm good at what I do. There's a value on what I do, um, but what's next? How can I get the value out of what I do? How can I get the like the finance the financials behind what I do? Or even how can I get someone to fund or or how do I find grant money? Or yeah, how do I even find funding for what I want to do? How do I get my ideas out versus like just putting it on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube all day or whatever? Like that is a still that's still a that's still a good game, but there has to be like a lot more things around that as well. Like all the you gotta you gotta be, you gotta work all the channels. Dude, the me and, me and my wife were just having this conversation about stuff because we're always you know branding the yeah. podcast and working on that and thinking about different ideas and you know, like all the different things. And we were talking about how branding itself, like if you say it, it's kind of like video editing. 
You go, yeah. uh, the guy says video editing. How hard is that? Dude, it's really hard. I mean, if you've never yes. done it, it's re- it takes a lot of time, a lot of hard work. It's difficult. Genius. Yes. Genius work. And branding yourself is just like that. So you think, exactly. oh, it's easy to brand myself. No, it is not. Like I've even had, I've talked to some really good friends and I mean, I'm, I'm thankful to the people that I know and, and that can help me that are good at this stuff where I'm like, I'm kind of like lost. So like your advice on this is, is fantastic for these people. I hope they soak it all up because this guy told me, he's like, man, you got a great personality. People need to see you more. Like I'm watching your stuff and I don't see, see your personality as much. So you got to look at it, that angle of marketing yourself more. I'm like, yeah. okay, cool. And I mean, not that's not bragging on myself. This is like advice he was telling me for branding. And I'm going, yeah. that you know, that's a difficult thing to figure out to do if you haven't done it, to be your natural self and market yourself in front of others on a you know, on that stage. That's the hardest part to do, man, to be honest with you, dude, is to be yourself. When someone puts it like just try it. Like anyone that's listening right now, just try this, try this. Uh <laughs> I do it all the time. It's hella awkward. Just push record on your phone and sit it in front of you and just try to be yourself. <laughs> That's or, a good idea. I like that idea. Or, or just talk about something. Like it's so hard because you're you're criticizing yourself while you're trying to be yourself at the same time. And, and, and something's gonna win. <laughs> Sometimes the, the criticism wins and he's like, oh fuck it, I, this is stupid. But like you'll be surprised how many people record themselves, like all the videos that you see. And, and of course you know this through a podcast. Uh, all the interviews that you see, all like all this stuff that you see is like, wow, this is so refined. It's, they're doing such a good job. They sound so good. They they look so good. They look so comfortable behind the camera. If you go through their phone or go through their hard drive and look at how many clips it took to get to that, like you'll be hella surprised. Uh, and that's what people don't realize. It's like, man, it's, it's like even with the, the personal branding, you're gonna go through. You're gonna do it so many times. You're gonna go through so many brands until you figure out, okay, cool. This is what I want to be. This is who I am. And this is who I want to be. And this is who I want people to perceive me of. So, like, it's so much trial and error in that. Uh, it's a it's an ongoing, continuous work because it's not going to stop. Because you're going to go to you're going to go through different um, levels in life. The podcast goes on for twenty years, but you're not the same person when you first started, at, and then at that fifteenth year. So, like, who are you now? And 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 what are you into now? Like, has your audience mature? Has the audience stayed? It's like it's so much stuff. When it comes to personal branding across the board, as far as like pictures, even your talent level, it's like, like all that stuff has to continuously grow because if it looks old, if it looks outdated, um, if it doesn't look appealing, you're gonna fall, and they're gonna people are gonna go to something that's way more appealing. They're gonna find something that catches their attention, that catches their eye, or catches their ear. So, dude, like yeah, it's personal branding is tough. Recording yourself is tough, <laughs> dude. You know Being what? Camera is tough. It, it's you get one shot. Yeah, no, it, you know what? It, it that's such a it's it is a good point because some of the people I interview, like I know some people, and they've got this wild story. Like it's really cool, right? And I know them on a personal level, and you know when we're around, we can just talk. But as soon as you press press record, and it's like the conversation <laughs> totally changes. They get st- and it, it does it, and it's not even. I don't want to make fun of them. I don't want to say that where I'm making fun of them. It's a it's a natural reaction to when you hit record. It yeah. just goes. Uh, and I had like the podcast has changed so much. You were talking about over over 20 years, just over, you know, almost three years, you know, a little bit short yeah. of three years right now. 
it is yeah. it's changed tremendously there you know because i wanted it when i set it up i wanted to set it up where it could change and be good because i wanted it to be all encompassing and and just because i love a wide variety of things like i'm interested in yeah. all sorts of things so it's wild how much it has changed but you are so correct whenever you hit record on something or whatever like me and and just being silly like i can be silly but if you want me to make it's really difficult to like get your personality out there did, did the dance stuff in front of all these people and with all these like music acts you know these mega stars and these worldwide known people did it did it like did it help you out like transitioning into branding yourself or is that part still as difficult for you to like get your personality and that stuff out there on the business side of things um those things um the names or whatever they kind of they kind of like lock in or co-sign the idea that i've i've done big shit um but when i if i if i normally well if i introduce myself and i'm telling someone like who i am and what i do i rarely say um like, I, I rarely throw out those names because I feel like sometimes it's kind of cheap. It's like, these names don't give me value. What I'm telling you about me is, like, I'm valuable with and without those names. Um, and if the conversation goes on longer, I'll start mentioning those names. But out the gate, like, I'm, my name is Chris Thomas. I go by the name of Young Chris. I, I'm a DJ, dancer, MC. I do corporate bar mitzvah, bar, uh, bar mitzvahs. Uh, weddings, private events. I also uh, produce... Um, interesting dance productions. I'm a world traveler. I've been in 25 different countries, uh, touring, teaching, and performing. Like those are the things that come out when when I'm talking about me. So I I rarely use like my Red Bull or uh, Steven Tyler or Pitbull or Flo Rida or Erica Badu. Like because it can come off as fake sometimes. And uh and like I said earlier, like I find myself valuable with or without those things. So. I big up myself first before I big up those other names. Dude, I I love that just because you're letting your credentials and what you do speak for yourself versus like trying to name drop to get like like I'm young Chris. I dance with Sugar Ray or whatever and yeah, and open exactly. for these guys and I dance with this crew and I dance with Pitbull and and then yeah. you're like you should hire me because of that. No, you're like, "Hey, look, this is all the things that I've done." This is all the things like that I can do. This is what value I add to what you're trying to do. Like, yeah. I'm I'm bringing value. I'm not just bringing like, hey, I made it to some sort of level. And and to, yeah. it shows a level of humility that you've been to those levels, but you know there's another level on top of that. Yeah, I get I get people tell me all the time. It's like, holy shit! Like you told me what you did, but I didn't know like how big you did it until like I told me like, go, yeah, go to my website, check out. I, like, because they always ask, like, do you have any videos? What you do? I'm like, yeah, go to my website. So they go to the website and they read and they hit me back, or I see them. And it's like, whoa, well, you can, t- <laughs> <laughs> you can tell me all this. I was like, yeah, it's my go to the website. <laughs> I'm like, well, the conversation never opened up to all of that. So, yeah, well, I mean, I saw it. I thought it was super cool. Like, even before I read who you danced with and danced for, like just that that one, like I said, that one sentence where you traveled to Bangkok to study dance, I'm, you had my attention with that. I was like, whoa, yeah. that's wild that somebody takes that kind of a commitment to like jump over there. But then to see like you're a Houston guy, um, you know, I'm in, I live in Texas, born and raised, and that it's just to know you've done what you've done, 
and built these businesses and you're hustling, but you've traveled the world, like hearing this story from you about traveling the world with all these companies and still being in Houston, like you said, before you had to be in New York, I mean, all you ever hear about people, if you want to make it an entertainment or especially a dancer, like dancer or anything like that, you got to be in New York where it's, it's Broadway, it's the shows, it's the play, the live shows, the plays, the street vendors that are out there dancing, um, yeah. all that sort of stuff, or L.A., some sort of big market where maybe somebody sees you walking on the street or something like that, um, yeah. versus your travel, you, you got that job and you stayed in Houston, which that's just, it's just incredible to me that you made that work. Dude, it's a, it's a blessing, man, to be honest with you. Like, it's all God-given, dude. Because, like, the relationships that I, I came across, um, it, that's what took me there, uh, the relationships that I built. It wasn't the auditions. I rarely auditioned for things, dude. Rarely auditioned for things. It was just the relationships. And the relationships, the hard work, and the good name. They've seen my they've seen my work ethic. They've seen what I can do. Um, I, was, I was trusted. Um few people, I mean, a lot of people took a chance with me and it worked out. And it's like, boom, the rest is history. Um, I got, I got, man, I've performed in Vegas, bro, to be honest with you, so many times. So I've performed in Vegas probably like more than the average entertainer or performer. Um, and flew right back home the next two days or whatever. And uh, to even like, to contradict, like, when people say go to New York or go to LA, like, to be honest with you, um, if entertainment is really what you want to do, Vegas is the city to be in. And I, the reason I say this, it's not commercial at all. That's one thing about Vegas. It's not commercial. The reason I say Las Vegas is the place you need to go is because they have shows all day, every day. And they need all lots day, of dancers. Every day. And need. they need, like, it, 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 they need, it, yeah, and it's work. And they fulfill those positions all the time. And it's more positions than it is you know, in, in, in New York or L.A. or Atlanta, because usually, like, you're you're auditioning for a tour, a concert, an award show, very, very niche, very, like, small window type stuff. But it's big stuff because it's commercial. Um, and that's what people usually go for because it's more attractive, it's shinier, it's flashier, uh, it's more bragging rights, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, working entertainment, working dancers, working artists, um, know a little bit more and they dig into those other markets vegas man it's like vegas is the place i believe like i want to move to vegas the cost of living is just like it is in texas um and there's way more work way more if like i said all day every day like there's shows all day every day there's parties all day every day um there's just more entertainment opportunities all day every day but you gotta hustle that's the thing is like not just looking for those big cities like what else can i do the same exact thing and maybe have a bigger window or let me let me okay i sucked in la okay i was whacking new york i didn't make it out in in, in uh, atlanta uh let me try to different let me try a different market let me try vegas market uh what can i do in my city like how many how many um how many dancers in the city at a high level like am i am i higher than them am i making as much as them Am I doing bigger things than them? If the answer is no, then maybe you should get under them and learn and get to where they need, get to where you want to be or get to where they're at if that's the level that you want to go at. Uh, long story short, it's like, don't write nothing in pen. When it comes to entertainment, nothing should be wrote in pen. Like, you got to explore. You got to work your ass off and explore because it's highly competitive. Highly competitive. Man, highly competitive. That's, I mean, that's awesome advice. And, I mean, 
But I kind of get the feeling from you that one day you're going to end up in Vegas. Dude, I want to move to Vegas now, to be honest with you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but with, 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 with this pandemic, <laughs> nothing's really happening. But yeah, man, like, to be honest with you, my one of my ideal situations is to have a consistent gig in Vegas. Like every weekend, I'm booked in Vegas, but I'm able to fly back home uh, during the week. So for the most part, um, the con- like the, the contract, whatever the contract is, it's it's nice. It, it's I'm, it, it puts a smile on my face every time I wake up in the morning. Like one of those type of contracts, and they don't care where I live, they don't care where I go in between the gig. But whatever is agreed on that contract, make sure your ass is in Vegas at this time. Between this time and this time, and everything else, we don't care about. That is my ideal contract. Matter of fact, I don't even have to be for Vegas for any city, anywhere, to where I, I still have my freedom, but I'm also consistently booked and working, um, doing what I love to do. Because that'd be that. I mean, I love that to like just come, come home for four days, to be gone for three days, four days, three days, four days, three days. Uh, have a spot in that city, have a spot in Houston, all off of entertainment doing something that I love to do and doing it at a high level and getting the value of what I'm worth. Um, and they're getting, of course, the value of entertainment, entertainment that they need to make their business or their show or whatever it is, their party uh, worthwhile for guests and for people to continuously come. Man, I hope you get there one day, man. I don't know any, I don't know enough about that industry to be like, yeah, you'll make it for sure. I don't want to be like, dude, yeah. it's, I know your confidence level and what you're saying and your track record is proof for itself. So, what do I yeah. say? Yeah, I think you'll pro- like that's something that's doable. But, man, I really hope you make that one day, man. Because you like this has been a really fun conversation, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. I appreciate it. All right. So let everybody know where they can find out, like all your info, um, all your stuff, like when your next little Zoom seminar thing might be. You know, whatever you got coming up, just uh, plug it real quick. Yeah. Uh, right now. Uh, you can just find me on Instagram, of course, on my, my website. Instagram is Young Chris Y U N G C H R I S H K. My website is ChristopherThomas.org, O R G, and that's the generic way of spelling Christopher Thomas C H R I S T O P H E R T H O M A S dot org. Um, nothing's really coming up right now, but I am planning some things for 2021. Right now, I'm planning writing out. Uh, figuring out funding, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, figuring out what ideas and concepts I want to fly and I want to and I want to shoot for. But definitely, I'm gonna start producing and making, uh, doing more public events in 2021. Uh, so right now, stick around. And my what's next uh, workshop? I'll probably do another one in the spring. So maybe like around February, March um, time of the year, I'm gonna do another what's next um, workshop. I want to keep these going throughout the year or whatever so I can also, like, help out younger entertainers to um, to make it happen. And, of course, like, yes, it's, it's, it's something that I charge for because I truly believe it's uh, – if you really love to do – like, if, it, if it's something that you really, really love to do, really want to do, it's an investment. You put money behind something, that means you're really serious about it. So before somebody asks, like, why you – if you want to help somebody, why are you charging? That's why. Because money determines if you're serious or not. So my time is valuable and my information is valuable. That's what I was about to say. Your information, the information that you've gathered is so valuable, man. So yeah, that's who I am. That's what I do. And those are the places you can find me. 
Come talk to me. Holler at me. Buy me a drink. I love whiskey. I love bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> all right man well go if you see chris out there buy him a whiskey man chris thank you so much for being on hey man thank you i appreciate you dude this was great thank you so much for joining us again on this episode of the podcast thank you to young chris for being on don't forget the best way to promote the show if you enjoyed it is to like rate review on any of your listening platforms and share 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 on social media and until the next episode see ya